Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome a regular guest, great advocate for public education in Australia, Trevor Cobble, the National Convenient for Save Our Schools. And uh, they published very recently, earlier this week, a piece, Funding Gap Between Public and Private Schools Will Accelerate Over the Next Decade. And we'll focus on that in a few moments. But firstly, welcome again to Viewpoints, Trevor Cobbold. Okay, thank you, Henry. Trevor, um, the piece you wrote, it starts with a very powerful statement. I might get you to elaborate the lead into the piece. Commonwealth government funding of schools is now a complete schmozzle. That's a, that's a pretty definitive statement, Trevor. Well, it is. Um, I mean, almost all. I mean, one's prone to exaggerate sometimes. So, But almost all of the original Gonski funding plan for public and private schools around Australia is all but gone. There's a couple of components of it still there, but essentially under the Abbott, Turnbull and Morrison governments, it's almost been completely demolished. And the the latest part of well, it's not the latest, but it's been going on for 18 months or so, but it's finally come to fruition and it, in that the Morrison government has almost completely abandoned public schools and it's now blatantly favouring private schools with billions of dollars in special deals. Uh, I mean, they're going to amount to about nine or ten billion dollars over the next decade and public schools are not getting the same funding increase at all and that means that in the, in the next 10 years, the resource gap between public and private schools is going to widen significantly. Already at the moment, private schools are now better resourced than public schools. And by better resourced, I mean their total income from both public and private sources is substantially higher than for public schools. Both Catholic and independent schools now have much higher income per student than public schools. So with an extra nine or $10 billion just going to um, Catholic and independent schools over the next decade, the gap is going to widen. And the only possibility of it being changed is if the state government step, step, up, step up with their funding of public schools. But as, as I've talked to you about in the past, over the last decade, state governments around Australia have been cutting real funding, that is the real resources of public, been cutting the funding of public schools. So we're, depending on them to step up the funding of public schools to offset the increases to private schools by the Morrison government is a, is a hard call. I don't believe it's going to happen. Interesting you say that, Trevor, because we've got a substantial number of Labor state governments who historically would have been viewed as uh, having more empathy towards public education. Uh, the history is that Labor governments have been as complicit as Liberal National Party governments in cutting funding for public schools in state, around state governments. Now you mentioned... And by I mean cutting, I mean in most cases they've been increasing funding in current dollar terms, but those current dollar increases are not are not 
are not matching cost increases. So in effect, the real resources for schools, whether it's staff or materials, is being reduced over time. Why? (laughs) Good question. Um, I think state government budgets are... Basically, state governments have got other priorities than education. That's that's the that's a be all and end all of it. Um, and they are switching. They are because the Commonwealth has actually increased funding for public schools, not as much as private schools. The state treasuries have taken the opportunity of that increased funding to cut their own funding. Mm. Now, now you mentioned a lot of special deals that. Uh under the Morrison government, are accelerating this disparity. One of them, you might like to explain it, it's uh, the adjusted taxable income, which the, the, the introduction of that heavily favours Catholic schools in the funding under the Morrison government. Um, can you explain that, uh, that uh, income term and well, its implications? Well, it, it might be easier to just to view it as a measure of the direct income of families. Um, it's, it's a technical term, uh, and I won't go into the details of it, but generally it's seen as a, a measure of the income of families and their capacity to contribute to private schools. So historically what governments have done is to, try, is to, use, to use a measure of the capacity of families to contribute to private schools to determine their financial the, the, the financial need of schools, and in the past I've used a, a an area based measure based on uh, census figures, um, but because that was based on that was based on areas rather than the the income of individual families, they've now instituted this measure that measures uses tax tax taxation statistics to measure the direct income of families. And and they see that as as a better measure. Now that's questionable, but the the fundamental flaw of this is it doesn't take account of all the income that families get. It underestimates their income in several ways, such as the fact that grandparents contribute income to their to their children, and they do that in a variety of ways, and it's it, and across the country it's worth billions of dollars because there's survey data on it. Um, some grandparents pay for school fees. Some parents, uh, grandparents pay mortgages, or provide other gifts of income that adds to the family income, and therefore increases their capacity to pay. But none of this, and as I say, it's worth billions around the country, none of this is entered into the measure. So that means that the income of families is actually underestimated by quite a lot. And therefore, because it's underestimated, private schools, their financial need is overestimated and therefore they're getting billions of dollars in government funding that they shouldn't. And this, this, um, and, and there are other, there are other sources of income that are not included. For example, 
capital gains income only 50% of it's taxed. 50% of it is not is not doesn't enter into this measure of direct income. And a lot of people get capital gains. Um, the assets of family are not taken into account. If you've got shares, you've got investments in land, that that can be converted to income very easily. That is not included in this at all. So this measure that Morrison's using, and also the measures that have been used in the past, vastly underestimate family income, with the result that private schools get funded get overfunded by billions of dollars every year. Of course, as you acknowledge, the Morrison government claims that this uh, funding increase for private schools is based on need. Um, you clearly challenge that assertion. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's not based on need at all. It's only partially based on need. Now, under the special deals, and uh, without going into the graphs, the, the new ones under the Morrison special deals the public schools get nothing. Um, how, how does that... Because twice as many people the, um, the, that go to private schools go to government schools, but on the other hand, on SES and all those other measures of disadvantage, 80%, as you say, of those families' children go to government schools. So how can they get... I'm a bit sort of perplexed as to how there's well, no I'm, money Well, there. no, this is, this is very clear. Basically... Uh, <laughs> Basically, the Morrison government's abandoned needs-based funding. It's now blatantly favouring private schools because all these extra special deals are outside the original funding model. And, and when, and when he's, it was, he was first appointed to office or elected to office, he, he actually admitted this in an interview with Fran Kelly on ABC Radio. He acknowledged that these deals are outside the existing model. And that means that the Liberal and National Party have reverted to their historical historical role of favouring private schools with funding. Mm-hmm. All pretense that needs-based funding... No, that's not quite correct. Almost all pretense has been... At funding according to need has been abandoned. It's a pretty the Gonski different... model is almost gone. So where do we head from here, Trevor? Well, the only way I can see is that public school organisations, parents, principals associations, teacher associations have to put pressure on state governments because state governments are complicit in this. It's not all the fault of Morrison. He's he's favouring private schools, but state governments are not favouring public schools. While they've been cutting funding for public schools, they've actually increased funding for private schools themselves. So I think, you know, we don't change anything until we put electoral pressure on governments. Now, individuals like me or you can't do that. It's the organisations have got to fight hard. Yes, it's a good point. And I think the other, the other thing I think we need to do is we need to come up with another funding model. Gonski's gone. Well, sorry, almost gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm prone to exaggeration sometimes, <laughs> but it's, not, it's not, not too big an exaggeration. We, we've got to find another way of funding um, private schools. I'm happy to stick with the 
the current approach to, to funding public schools in that it's based on need, it's, it's, it, it could be improved to give greater emphasis to need because I think the, the loadings for extra funding for disadvantaged students are vastly uh, are much too small. But we can we can tweak that model to put more funding in for disadvantaged or the various categories of disadvantaged schools and students. But we've got to fundamentally revise the model for private schools. I, I do not see why the taxpayer should provide funding for private schools whose resources are, are already in excess of what could be regarded as a community standard. If you take the current school resourcing um, standard, government funding is pushing a large majority of private schools over the top of that resource standard when you take account of their private income. So why should the taxpayer provide funding for private schools so that their resources are in excess of what can be regarded as a community standard. It's just farcical because it means that diverting hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, away from funding that could be provided to disadvantaged schools and students, the majority of whom, or the large majority of whom, are in public schools. Now, now, Trevor, in moving forward, I mean, we are where we are. Gonski's almost gone or largely gone. In moving forward, um, unless we come up with another model, comprehensive model, aren't we at risk of just going along with an ad hoc collection of special deals and arrangements? Yeah, no, that... no, that's exactly the case, Henry. That's the future, unless we change. That's the future unless we change the model for private school funding, um, tweak the model for funding public schools, and, and as I say, come up with a new a model for funding private schools. I'm not saying we should stop all funding for private schools. I know there's strong arguments around to do that. Uh, there are a lot of people who think, why should the taxpayer fund private schools? But there are disadvantaged students in private schools and I think there is a case for society if parents made bad choices and send their kids to an under-resourced private school I think there's a society has an obligation to make sure that disadvantaged students in those schools get funded adequately um, but that but that doesn't mean the kind of billions of dollars in funding in over funding that goes on at the moment just more broadly, uh, I've been in the system a long time and you'd have heard this argument, um, when you get that uh, debate between should governments fund private schools or not, and it's been there forever and a day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One of the arguments that the pro-funding uh, lobbies say is, well, private schools, parents put money in there more than they do uh, in public schools, therefore we're taking pressure off the state. That's a good thing. That's part of their argument. What's your response to that perennial argument? Well, I take pressure off public libraries because I buy my own books. Therefore, I, 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 I reduce the funding needed for pu pu public libraries. 
So should I get a subsidy for my own private library? It's a ridiculous argument. And you can apply that to, I mean, for example, people who have their own swimming pools means their kids don't go to the public pool. Therefore, they, they reduce the, the, the pressure on public swimming pools. So should people with a private swimming pool get, get a subsidy because they take pressure off the budget? It's a stupid argument. Yes, I agree with you on that, Trevor. It, 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 uh, it seems to persist. Of course, the other argument that's often... Well, the other argument is, you know, everyone deserves, deserves um, funding from the taxpayer. Yeah? We pay taxes, therefore we should get a return. That's the other argument. That's not the purpose of taxation. <laughs> taxation is to fund, taxation exists to fund, fund public purposes, not private purposes. Although the tax, you know, as you know, the taxation system is riddled with loopholes and special deals that provide provide that. But in in principle, that shouldn't occur. No, no. Now this. These favoured special deals, or these special deals, seem to favour uh, the Catholic schools even more so than the independent schools. Is that true? And why would that be? Oh, it is. I mean, the the, the in the period of the Turnbull government, you might you might recall that the Catholic Church ran a ruthless campaign against the Turnbull government uh, because of some changes it made to the the funding system and what the Turnbull government was proposing to do was to remove this benefit that existed since the Howard government uh, whereby uh, Catholic schools got assessed as a, an average um, funding score Uh, got assessed as an average funding score. Got got the money themselves. So got the money into Catholic education authorities, who then distributed it, not according to the government's needs-based principle, but according to their own. And what all the evidence showed is that they were they were redistributing funding from rural and poor schools in urban cities into their richer schools, because they wanted to keep fees low in high-income areas so they could compete with independent schools. So Turnbull government proposed to change that and, and give funding according to the uh, assessment of needs for each school rather than the system as a whole and, let the, and, and, and stop um, Catholic education authorities distributing money according to how they saw fit. Catholic, Catholic Church didn't like this at all and ran a ruthless campaign against Turnbull, which was instrumental in actually bringing his, about his downfall. And they proposed, they proposed this new measure that was negotiated with um, Archbishop Fisher in Sydney between the Morrison government as soon as it was elected to bring in this scheme, this so-called direct income measure of families, which, as I've said, is flawed. But even apart from the flaws of it, they negotiated the increase. And at the time, it was looking about $3.4 billion. It's now, I think, about $3.6 billion. But at the time, they negotiated the increase in funding 
for Catholic schools with the Archbishop and, the, and his advisors before they even worked out what measure of direct income they're going to use. And that's the, the, the measure they came up with is, was this adjusted taxable income measure. But that wasn't decided until a year later. They negotiated the increase before they determined the, the method of funding. And it just shows how ridiculous it is. Mm, it, it certainly is. Trevor, time as always gets away from us, and as always, um, I congratulate you on your your staunch advocacy of, of public schools and public education, which services the needs of most of most of our students and most of our students, uh, the disadvantaged ones. Uh, you say one or two people can't make a difference, but uh, one or two people can make uh, can make a difference, and I'm sure that. It might be a drip effect, uh, the power of one, that's an old cliche and you've certainly been a great advocate and there are people listening to and I again acknowledge the great work you're doing on behalf of public education in our country. Thank you, Henry. That was uh, Trevor Cobbold, uh, a great advocate, as I've said many times, for public education in our country, uh, the convener of the National Convener of Save Our Schools. Check their website out for uh, all the research and commentary that uh, is prepared by that organisation. We'll take a short break. Mm-hmm. 